Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Sox on Tap postgame show. It's Tony Marchese alongside my guy, NWI Steve, and we brought Besnick at Sox Insane along for the ride, too. We we're going to talk about some Tony La Russa stuff. We're going to talk about a White Sox winner real quick and just some other general White Sox topics. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Hey, yo, boys. After a brief little hiatus, could you go as far as to say that I'm hashtag back? Say that Steve is back here. One could say that you're back. You were activated. I know that there wasn't a press release out that you were activated from the IL with a broken heart. Steve, but you are hashtag back. How are you doing tonight, Mr. Besnick? I'm doing good. I, I see Steve there, so I can say he's hashtag back. I'm doing okay, all things considered. A um, lot of lot of news dropped today, and um, this is going to be one interesting White Sox off season. Yes, so it I don't is. Know what to and we're we're going to get into some of that today. Obviously, the big news, guys. TLR announced that he is stepping away from the club. We are going to get to that. We're he gonna is some, some instant reactions. I I mean, seems like. Especially after today, Steve, you might be jumping for joy. Like, I, I almost just want to go to you with instant reaction on this right now, but we'll save that for just a few minutes. Uh, we'll get to the TLR stuff. There was a White Sox winner today over the Minnesota Twins. I know that also makes Steve happy. We've got victory beers that are part of the show. That makes me happy. Um, before we get into any of the other stuff, I just want to take a moment and say, it's been a long year for White Sox fans. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in, joined the YouTube streams, the Twitter streams, uh, listen to us in our podcast form, uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for being part of this ride. Uh, we'll probably just have this show and, and probably one more to close down the season in terms of podcast stuff. So thank you for joining us. Uh, on another season of Sox on Tap, it's been fantastic to talk White Sox baseball um, with these guys almost every single night. And uh, we're going to keep it going through the offseason. You'll probably hear a lot from myself, Steve, Besnick, Johnny. Uh, we'll get Sean back on, Buzz back on as we can. Um, but it, it's been a, a long year, guys. Thank you both for being part of this. Besnick writing a ton of recaps throughout this year, keeping Sox fans informed as to what happened the night before. There was not enough wins for you to write about this season. There was not enough wins for us to talk about this season. Thank you to everybody who tuned into this show and was part of Sox on Tap during the 2022 season. 
as we move on, how we, you can find us. If this is the first time listening, I would be absolutely shocked, but uh, there is a, a first time for everything. But if you're tuning in at the end of the season, you can follow us at Socks on Tap. Follow the YouTube on Tap Sportsnet. Follow us on Twitter at on Tap Sportsnet as well. Facebook, there's a like button there. Guys, let's get into today's game. Last start from Johnny Cueto, real quick. My my initial notes. Guy was working quick. Looked like he couldn't wait to get out of there. Sox wind up with a win, which is good. Uh, but the baseball on the field really didn't matter much to me today. What is your uh, initial thoughts on today's game? I'll go to Steve first and then Baz. Well, I was fortunate enough to be in the ballpark this evening. Uh, I was taking advantage of a little season ticket holder uh, pregame patio party there. So I consumed. Uh, How some... was that, by the way? I'm curious. It, How did it was... that go? It was your standard uh, patio party. You know, you had your hot dogs, your hamburgers, your fried chickens. Um, you know, I might have partaken in a couple two tree pops, you know, on all of it on Jerry Ryan's on Jerry's dime. dime. Yes. Yeah. So they always taste better when it's on Jerry's dime. That is hashtag confirmed. Um, so, you know, got to take that in there and then look, you know, obviously got to follow that up by taking a White Sox win over the Twins. Everyone knows that uh, that just, you know, gets gets the blood flowing for me in, in my plums, you know, when I get to see the Sox beat the Twins live and in person. And you're right, Anthony, um, John Cueto and, and really both of these teams really kind of seem disinterested tonight. A lot of really quick uh, short plate appearances kind of just don't really seem like they want to be here, like they want to get the vacation started. Yeah, I mean, that makes uh, that makes total sense. I would, too, if I were in their shoes. But, I mean, it was cool to see Cueto pitch one more game in a White Sox uniform. You know, the guy that got picked up a week before the season started after Lance Lynn went down in uh, his last spring training start. And, I mean, he far exceeded anyone's expectations. You know, you, you love watching him on the mound doing his little shimmy in a Sox uniform and just pitched well. But, you know, just despite getting this miraculous um, performance out of this guy, a veteran who seemed like he was, you know, career might be over. It just wasn't enough. Um, so, yeah, uh, a win was nice. But, you know, like we all said, it didn't mean too much today. It felt like. Johnny Cueto, and I said this before, couldn't wait to get out of here. I, he's a guy that I'm not really expecting to be part of this rotation going forward. I don't know how you guys feel. But if we look back on the body of work from Johnny Cueto this season, Besnick, I think you kind of hinted on it. Here's a guy that uh, a lot thought his career was over, and uh, he came into this White Sox rotation and really filled some tremendous voids that they had not only from the pitching side, but from a leadership standpoint throughout the year. Obviously, this White Sox team, as we've stated numerous times, did not achieve what they set out to do by any stretch of the imagination. Johnny Cueto is not to be blamed for any of that. In fact, he was one of the higher grades that I have amongst White Sox players this season. I don't know if you guys uh, would disagree with that, but I thought – for all intents and purposes, Johnny Cueto in a White Sox uniform during this season, it's going to go down as some sort of answer to a trivia question somewhere 15 years from now. One of Rick Hahn's rare 
hits when it comes to veterans in the free agent market. We've seen far too many misses. Um, unfortunately, far too many misses from guys that were expected to be key contributors. And John Cueto was really, like you said, Anthony, a scrap heap guy showed up late. If Lance Lynn doesn't get hurt in spring training, is he even on the White Sox? You know, that's a question that I don't think we can really answer right now, but um, you know, they nailed it with uh, bring, bringing him in here and you just have to tip your cap to, to Mr. Cueto just went out there acted like the professional that he is. And, um, you know, if nothing else, the organization owes him a new horse for his farm in the Dominican. Yeah. Can't say enough good things about him. Today was his 18th quality start out of 23 starts, 24 appearances. He had one game out of the bullpen, like an emergency use. I mean, even in that type of situation where he wasn't expecting to pitch, they just kind of threw him out there. Um, not sure what happened in that game. I think someone got hurt, of course. Um, but and he I came in. That was well. a Michael Kopech start. You know what? I think it was the one against Texas where. Yeah, uh, I left. was there. Yep. Oh, there you that was, go. That was the that was the Sunday afternoon in June. Yeah, and he. Um, I'm reading some comments here on uh, on Twitter.com that he did say that this is the first year in a while that he pitched uh, pain free and feels like he could probably go a couple more years would be open to a return to the White Sox. You know, of course, that's not, you know, his decision. And I agree, he's probably likely not back with the team next year. But, you know, you tip your cap to him. He goes down as like a an, another Esteban Loiza. Not not as good, but, you know, one of those guys they picked up that you didn't expect much from, and then he turns in a great year. I saw Steve Smirk at the uh, Esteban Loiza camp there from uh, Mr. Basnick. Uh, Steve, you have any other further comments? Does he, does he partake Quino? in, does he partake in any of the extracurriculars that our boy Esteban Loiza used to? Not that I'm aware of. I don't think, that can, ha- I think hashtag, he just rides horses. Hashtag unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. That's, a, that's a great, great way to put that. We've, we've got a guy who can perform an investigation on that. Uh, if we want to venture down that path, but I don't think that we will. Uh, just again, hats off to Johnny Cueto. Uh, just a wonderful year uh, in that starting rotation that that needed a storyline like him. Unfortunately, we're not talking about it in a uh, we're heading to the playoffs and he is part of the playoff rotation um, scenario uh, at all. But uh, I, I thought that he performed well. There was a couple of starts that I'm sure he would like to have back, but that could be said about any pitcher. Um just uh, an awesome year from Johnny Cueto. Um, I don't have much else. If he comes back, I, I will love him all the same, uh, being in that White Sox uniform. And I think that outside of all White Sox pictures, he might be best suited to perform in next year's rule set. So we'll see if uh, Rick Khan and, and company wants to bring him back. Guys, I don't really have much else in terms of this ball game. I think that there's some more pressing stuff to talk about and uh that pressing stuff to talk about is we actually heard from white Sox leadership today uh tony la Russa, uh, announced that he will step down as white Sox manager effective basically immediately um if he has been serving in any capacity for the organization since he went down uh with a health issue on i believe it was august 30th um, first time addressing the media really since then. 
uh, and announces that he will no longer be with the team. We're going to get some reactions from everybody here. Um, and then we got some some words from Rick about the future of the organization, some retrospective on this year. Uh, for all intents and purposes, guys, I think this was branded as the end of the year press conference. They did it basically three days early. It's almost like it was scheduled to be today, regardless of whether or not we were playing this set with the Twins. Um, and the White Sox in White Sox fashion uh, sort of held to form with this. And I don't think that we're going to get much out of Rick on Kenny Williams or Jerry Reinsdorf going forward. So for all intents and purposes, this is probably the last that you're going to hear of them until there is a new manager in place. Guys, uh, we'll, we'll go in order of the press conference. So let's talk about La Russa first, then we'll follow that up with some of the Rick Hahn stuff. I'm going to hand it to Steve. We'll go to Baznik. I'll give my reaction on TLR, and then we'll discuss. Steve, the floor is yours, my friend. All right. Overarching thoughts are this. Everybody knows how I feel about that fucking dickhead. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he can't poison the one team that I truly care about. With that being said, I feel that I have been fairly consistent this season in saying that he is not the absolute root cause of the issues with this team not making the playoffs or not performing to their potential. As I've said multiple times, when you have players that are injured, injury prone, even Rick, I know you don't want to hear that, but it's fucking true. A lot of these core guys are injury prone. When you have that coupled with underperformance from said core pieces, you can't compound those issues with managerial negligence, like hitting Larry Garcia top five in your order multiple times, like intentionally walking someone on a one and two count multiple times, going to Jose Ruiz in high leverage situations multiple times. I can I can name other situations here, but again, for all 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 of those issues and all of those deficiencies and all of those fireable offenses. If the White Sox would have hit more home runs this season, they could have potentially overcome that. If they would have had consistent, healthy performances from players that they were counting on in Yoan Mancada, Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, they could have potentially overcome that. But they didn't. They weren't able to. And then those issues were compounded by just negligent managerial decisions. I'm glad he's gone. Adios, c'est la vie, good riddance, go fuck yourself. All right. Man, how do I follow that up? I mean, I echo a lot of those things Steve said. Some of those managerial decisions, just atrocious. Um, you know, some of the other other things, you know, falling asleep in the dugout, maybe listening to a fan who was screaming at him to send Adam Engel in to pinch run. Um, I don't know if that's exactly why he did it, but, you know, that video, uh, you know, says something falling asleep, uh, you know, nodding off mid sentence in a, in a post game interview. I mean, things like that is just, you know, he shouldn't have been here that that wasn't the right hire. I don't think we can say that it is because he was brought in to win a world series and he didn't do that. 
Um, they didn't make the playoffs. He deserves some credit there. I actually thought in 2021, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, he actually got a little bit better, whereas this year he, he regressed. It was pretty interesting to hear that these health issues arose in the offseason. And he mentioned these things coming up in his physical exams in January and February. He tried to gut it out. You know, he wanted to be there for the team. The team clearly, I mean, they were in that press conference. They care about him. Um, you know, I think a lot of those narratives about the players hate him and all that were not, were overblown. Um, he's not the root cause of all those things, like Steve said. It's more so about injuries um, and just uh, players underperforming. Um, you hit home runs and, uh, and good things come, wins come. Um, they got, uh, they, they just didn't get, didn't get anything going this year. They just couldn't get anything going. They couldn't sustain any momentum when they did. And, um, you know, it was all under his watch. So he's got to be accountable to that. So, um, I, uh, I, I hope he works out his health issues. I thought it was a very gracious exit in his statement. He said some things um, specifically where he said, you know, last time I met with the players, I just told them I love them. Can't thank them enough. Um, as much as I've called him an egomaniac and slandered him in other ways, um, you know, today just didn't really feel like uh, doing it. Yeah, I wish him the best. I hope he works out those issues and, um, enjoys his second retirement, I guess is one way to call it. My turn, <laughs> I guess. I don't know how to follow either of you guys. I, I had some, some, uh, some statements prepared, but uh, I'll, I'll start with this. I think I've defended Tony La Russa more on this show than, than anybody else has. And I think Steve would be the first one to say that that's true. Was he confirmed? Was he the best manager? Absolutely not for the Chicago White Sox in 21 or, or 22. I like to look at the body of work of people who are running my sports organizations upon hire and look at what they've done to stuff. And, and this is this is probably the final rant that I'll ever go on about TLR. One of the reasons I liked the White Sox hire is because the Blackhawks had made a very similar move in bringing Joel Quenville into the organization when they were ready to win. And Joel Quenville had sort of the same resume outside of the fact that Joe Quinville wasn't away from the game the way that Tony La Russa was when the White Sox brought him in. It's very hard for me as a person in anything that I do to question the ability of someone who's done it more than anybody else that walks the face of this earth. And that's in anything. If somebody's filling my cavity, if somebody is painting my house, if somebody is replacing my air conditioner, if somebody is helping me do whatever it is that I'm trying to achieve. There is no greater that you can go to than the person who's done it more than anybody else who's ever lived on this earth. We all strive to do great things. Some people do what it takes to get there. And Tony La Russa is one of them in the game of baseball, which is something that I think we all hold near and dear to our hearts. 
hiring him, and a lot of people will say this, wasn't the right move. But from a different sense, as a fan of this game, as somebody who watches this game, and as somebody who watches sports, I will not be told that having somebody in your dugout with that amount of experience is a bad move on the surface. There were a lot of people who did not like that hire for many different reasons. Some being other candidates who were out there, others for the fact that he was away from the game for so long, and other people just because they didn't like Tony La Russa. It doesn't matter the reasons why you didn't like him. Even Tony today said that his performance was unacceptable. The performance from the team was unacceptable. What hurts even more as a White Sox fan is knowing that Tony Russa brought your franchise to its second consecutive playoff appearance for the first time that many of you who are listening to this show have ever experienced. What hurts more is knowing that he was able to win an AL Central title with this group and was unable to achieve it in back-to-back years. And his ultimate goal, whether or not Jerry Reinsdorf was the ultimate reason that Tony Russo was hired, or if there was something else that, that was a factor in these decisions. What hurts more is that you had this man stand there and tell everybody that he failed, and for the first time, took accountability for failure and addressed that even the fans' displeasure with his work was on his mind. And if you want to talk about some of the health issues that come to play within this, you can't tell me that he wasn't feeling it when fans were chanting, fire Tony, and that there was stress upon him because of the performance of the team. This all ended absolutely poorly. And to hear him stand up there today and to see the entire team come down and listen to him step down as manager of the Chicago White Sox, I thought that that was a tremendous display of respect for Tony La Russa. I thought that that showed some of that family atmosphere that has lacked all season. And it put a a very big mark of closure on what is a very disappointing era in White Sox baseball. I can't say enough how much I think that there were so many factors at play that didn't set Tony La Russa up to be a successful manager for this team. The guy was a scapegoat for a lot of things. Was he great? Absolutely not. Did he make moves that I disagree with? A hundred percent. But did he come under fire more than anybody else for this? I think he did. And I think he owned up to it on his way out. And I think that there's something admirable about how he left this club. I've got a book here that I was gifted for Christmas, probably sometime around 2007. And it's got quotes in it. And one of them, is from Tony La Russa back in 1979, and it says, all I'd like is a fair shot from the fans. They can boo anything they want, but I'm going to take shots at winning wherever it makes sense. I'm not going to skip one trip to the mound to avoid a boo. 
And in a way, Tony La Russa managed the exact same fucking way he managed back in 1979. He didn't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. And he held himself accountable at the end. He did what he thought that he had to do to win. Was he right? Probably not. Was he crucified for it? He was. And he owned up to it. And he held himself accountable. We move on from there. But the scars are going to last a lot longer for everyone that was involved in the situation. Do you really think that the scars will last that long? Because honestly, I, in a lot of ways, think that once the decision is made on who is going to be the next long-term manager of this team, you know, I, I think early on in spring training, there will be pieces written and the national media will, you know, have their, have their, commentary about oh you know how will the white Sox follow the tony la Russa era how will you know whomever the manager is how will they contrast his style but by may 15th yeah, fuck even sooner than that i don't really feel like we're going to be talking about this honestly that's just my opinion i'm curious to see what besnick has to say on the situation but i i do have some responses to this so, I mean, the thing I'll say is this. I think the Tony LaRusa hiring could have come a year too early. I'm not sure the White Sox. You look at the Astros, you drop Dusty Baker in there, kind of cut from the same cloth as TLR, old school, a lot of wins under his belt. But he has perennial all-stars on his team. He's got Tucker. He's got Bregman, Altuve. He had Correa last year. They went to the World Series. Okay, Very similar style to TLR. They didn't win, but they got there. When you have players like that, it really minimizes the impact that a manager can make and the outcome of the season. And that is playing out with the Houston Astros. Okay, Because the reaction here in Chicago, if the White Sox hired Dusty Baker, he would have gotten the same treatment as TLR in my opinion. So go ahead, Steve. No, I, I was just going to say, so I, I think to an extent you're 100% right when you say that Dusty was minimized in a sense um, because as an outsider looking in, it appears to me as though Jim Crane allows the front office in Houston to really kind of hashtag set the tone organizationally. Whereas, does anybody get the sense that Jerry Reinsdorf allows the brain trust, and I'm going to use that term very loosely, that runs the White Sox to ultimately make those decisions? Does anybody really believe that if Tony LaRusso wanted a player, <clears throat> Larry Garcia, that the front office could overrule him? Because I sure as fuck don't. I, I don't think so, but you look at um, – the development of those guys, right? They were not at the level that the Astros players were in their rebuild. Mm -hmm. Robert was not there. Eloy was close. Some other guys were close. Andrew Vaughn was a mystery. You made the playoffs in this kind of BS 60 game season. And we decided, all right, it's time to win. We hadn't even seen these guys play a full season and be healthy yet. Um, that, delayed development, a lot of those things. And kind of where I'm going with this is 
you know, the the front the Sox front office, the they they should be falling on the sword for a lot of this stuff because they're the ones who put together the training programs, the players. These guys have some onus on themselves to stay healthy. Um, you know, maybe you Dustin's heard, getting some help Rick from Han the front office. Talk about, but you had Rick Hahn talk about how he missed Herm Schneider today in a press conference. He said that? Yes. A joking fashion, called out to the back of the room. Herm Schneider was apparently there today and said, we didn't have these problems when Herm Schneider was here. And kind of laughed about it. And it was kind of embarrassing. I don't know if you either of you got a chance to watch the full presser, but that happened. You know, I saw some of the quotes from our fearless GM. Um, he can go, he can get fucked as far as I'm concerned. Um, his bullshit lawyer speak. You know, I've I've had enough. I, I'm I'm sick and fucking tired of this shit with him going out there just saying a lot of words without actually saying anything, and then sitting there trying to stroke himself and and Kenny and everyone else involved, saying that you know was it last year or two years ago they were being talked about as you know having you know the executive of the year or having one of the best front offices in all of baseball now people are questioning whether they should have their jobs shut the fuck up yeah talk about a lack of accountability and the guy gave himself a pat on the back and was like yeah, I'm, I'm great at my job I don't know what you guys are talking about I was almost executive of the year two years ago no one gives a shit Rick what have you done for me lately? Because that was a piss poor, pathetic season that I just sat through. And the most unlikable White Sox team I've ever watched in my 38 years here on this earth. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I echo Steve's sentiment. Uh, Rick can go get fucked. I sent this to you earlier today, Bezdek. I feel as if it didn't take very long for the collective White Sox fandom after Tony La Russa departed to immediately point their finger at one individual for all of this. And right now, that's Rick Hahn. It's squarely on Rick Hahn. And I hear both of you guys talking right now. You guys seem in the same boat. Uh, okay, let me... Let me let me interject right there if I could for a second. So I know where you're gonna go with this already. I, I think Rick Hahn gets the brunt of the blame because he is the public figurehead. But the fact of the matter is this organization, there is no clear delineation of power. People that blame Han for everything act as if Ken Williams is just sitting in his office playing with himself all day. Do, I mean, do you really think that these two aren't working in concert with one another when it comes to the decision-making ability? I mean, I find it mildly hilarious that Rick Hahn is, has been the general manager of this team for 10 years. You look across town, Jed Hoyer was the general manager. Did anybody think Jed Hoyer was ultimately making the decisions for the Chicago Cubs, 
but somehow there's a person with a title above Rick Hahn that was a GM that has a World Series ring and he has no say in personnel decisions or the overall organizational philosophy or approach. Give me a fucking break. So why is this not talked about more? I, I, for the life of me, I will never understand it. But what I've always said is that the fish stinks from the head. It's plain and simple to me. They've been doing the same thing for 20 plus years. And they got one parade out of it and they are just resting their laurels on that. If this organization ever wanted to be serious or make any kind of meaningful, lasting change, then the guy that cuts the checks would need to grow a fucking spine and actually fire somebody and bring in fresh outside voices that are going to challenge him and tell him things that he doesn't want to hear and tell him that the game of baseball is not the same one that he inherited 41 years ago. It's a different world now. Literally, you would have to bring in someone from the outside to just get caught up to the Dodgers, to the Braves, to the Astros, to the Yankees, to these really good, successful organizations. But he's unwilling to do that. But again, I don't know where Ken Williams ends and Rick Hahn begins. But from my perspective, they both can kick rocks. And, and that's why and we lost Besnick. And we're going to work to get him back here. But uh, Besnick has, has left the scene. Uh, Steve, I, I understand what you're saying. It's just surprising to me that we've, like the collective mob, I don't want to say we, but the collective mob has now turned its head after – one is gone. We've got Besnick back. Uh, Sorry after about that. one after after one leaves, the collective mob sort of turns his head and says, "You're next." I've watched the Twitter sphere um, over the past couple of hours, and that seems to be the collective mentality. So I'm expecting throughout this off season the discontent for this team not winning to turn towards Rick Hahn. You're, you're bringing in here that, uh, well, so some of this is Kenny Williams. Obviously, it'll get to Jerry eventually. I think he's insulated because he's sort of the owner and everybody's going to be displeased unless this organization wins a, a championship almost every year. But sort of the same way we watched the Bulls go through this with – uh, and Besnick's shaking his head. He knows exactly what it is. You get Jim Boylan out. Okay, now it's time to move on to the the the, the GM, the the president. We're going to come after you next. I see the exact same storylines building right now. But with I think this White Sox organization it sort of parallels what you saw with the Chicago Bulls. What I think the difference is, and I'm saying this as someone that doesn't follow the Bulls. And, and doesn't understand a lot of the different dynamics that go on there is that the two guys that are ultimately in charge of the decisions with the White Sox are the two guys responsible for Jerry Reinsdorf's crowning achievement, 
let's not forget that he once famously said he would trade all six Bulls championships for one with the White Sox. So we know that this means more to him. And those are the two guys that were there that assembled the team that got and that's him. Why that I would, that's why I would argue that today is the ultimate low for Jerry Reinsdorf, if we're going to put that in perspective, to watch his one of his good friends who came out of retirement to help manage this team basically put his tail between his legs and leave and hold himself accountable for the failures while the two guys who brought him his crowning achievement as an owner you know rick was talking about oh they had a two two hour meeting with jerry today and all of a sudden you know that jerry reinsdorf can't be pleased with this publicity around his chicago white Sox today i I just i i can't imagine that he's sleeping comfortably tonight uh with oh i think he's sleeping great I, I know you believe he's, that he's sleeping great, but I mean, he's made his I, money. I would, I, I would just, I would just think a little bit differently here. This didn't play out the way that he wanted it to. You're assuming that he has any pride in how this organization gets run. He's proven for 40 years. He in fact does not. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment of it. I just don't think that, uh, you know, if if you want to play the card that says he brought his friend back to come do this because he felt that he owed somebody anything, if we want to play that card, he obviously has feelings. Um, so I would think that he would want to see his friend go out not like this, I guess, is sort of the the angle that I'm taking on this, Steve, and it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for Jerry. I mean, even, even Tony said today uh, that uh, the explanations sound like excuses. And and that's something that I will absolutely agree with. Um, But I just, I, I can't imagine this is going to work out well for the Chicago White Sox because I feel that all of the media heat, all of the fan heat, is going to point in one direction as this thing goes into the winter. And it's not going to be good when it comes to April unless there's significant money spent. And they've already prefaced it by saying there won't be any money spent. So this is a this is an absolute lose-lose situation. I don't see any winning out of it. You've mentioned a couple times, even on this show, the only way out of this is sort of the the dead cat bounce, but you're already talking about subtractions to this roster. You're talking about potential reduced payroll or moving guys like Liam Hendricks or Andrew Vaughn or moving on from Jose Abreu. I don't see significant additions to this club. The only way that I see out of this is absolutely massive steps forward from members who are part of this ball club who have not proven to be healthy to be available. And when Rick Hahn says things like, or Ozzie Guillen, I think it was Ozzie Guillen today that Herm Schneider told him that availability is one of the most important abilities. I can't remember if that was Rick or Ozzie who had stated that you look at that statement, regardless, 
and you look at this White Sox roster and say you're going to take away some of the most talented pieces. Where are you going? What are you doing? And how do you fix it? Rick Hahn is in no position to win. Kenny Williams is in no position to win. And Jerry Reinsdorf isn't either by those statements. Doesn't work. The math does not check out. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf could put himself. He's the one person that could put himself in the position to win out in this situation. But granted, that would require, you know, running a $250 million payroll. And we all know that that's a non-starter. I've famously said. Is that what you're, is that the dollar amount you're looking for them to go, Steve? Like, I, 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 I'm just curious. Throw all sense and logic out the window here for both of you guys. It's basically socks on tap after dark. What's the magic number? What, What makes people say, I, I'm fucking all in on this team again. Rick Hahn said today, we need to earn the trust back of our fans. What's the number? What do they have to do? What do you want to see them do? It probably is 250 to 260 million because you look at some of the dead weight. I mean, you could make a reasonable case that um, Yasmani Grandal might be cooked. There's there's a reasonable case to be made for that. And if that's the case right now. Right. Yeah, he does. And so a real organization would say, He's cooked. You got to pay him the eighteen million dollars, no matter what. It's a sunk so, cost. It's a exactly. It's a sunk cost. So let's go out there and let's find his replacement. You know, we had inconsistency from Lucas Giolito this year. We have Michael Kopex. You know, one hundred nineteen innings this year. You have Johnny Cueto. We need we need innings. We need innings, boys. Guess what? We gotta go out and we gotta get a, a quality top level starting pitcher. We gotta find a left handed bat. We gotta find some way to balance out this lineup. You're not comfortable with Davis Martin eating 130 innings next year for your Chicago White Sox in your uh, rotation. Is what you're saying? Would I be comfortable with that as as option one? No, I, I wouldn't. I think that Davis Martin can compete for a rotation spot. But relying on him, if you really believe that you can win the World Series or or compete to get there, no, you, you can't. Um, I know a lot has been talked about in the last couple of days about them blowing a 10.5 game lead. But the fact of the matter is the Mets did what they had to do this winter to position themselves to, I mean, let's face it. They've won 98 fucking games to have a Um, 10 game lead. Right. They did. They did. They did. It happened. And the Braves who are one of the best run organizations in the sport have been on an absolute heater for three and a half months right now. Literally only the Dodgers have won more games than them since June 1st. And uh, that's pretty good. Last I checked, but Steve Cohen walked I've into this. I got to check our Cubs on tap, guys. They said they're the hottest team in baseball right now. Yeah. Okay. They had um, a good second half. Yeah. But they, no, they were fine. <laughs> they were fine. Um, but Steve Cohen recognized that the only way that the Mets could reasonably compete this year was to spend a shit ton of money. Everyone talks 
you know, Bob Nightingale writes his little puff pieces about nobody wants to win more than Jerry Reinsdorf. Steve Cohen showed you what an owner that wants to win more than anyone will do. Is it going to work? It's not looking great right now because, you know, they're going to have to fight to beat San Diego and then they got the Dodgers waiting for them in the second round. So it's not looking great this year, but that's what fully committing looks like. I would love to have an owner like Steve Cohen who does, who is proud to send a $300 million payroll out there and just spend to fill every need possible and make this team, uh, you know, put the best competitive product out there. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf is never going to do that. It's foolish to think that he ever will. 250 million. Sure. Let's go get a top of the rotation pitcher. Let's throw a big bag of cash at Jacob deGrom and just have him and, cease um, a healthy Lance Lynn at the top of the rotation. That'd be great, but they're, they're going to run this thing back. They're going to run this thing back. You'll see Oscar Colas get called up. I think they re-sign Abreu and um, you know, it's up to Pollock and whether or not he wants to stay and maybe you get a trade. Maybe uh, I think if anyone gets traded, it's a prospect. They've got a top 50 guy in Colson Montgomery. If they want to go, leverage that i mean the farm system is bare anyways you've got one top 100 prospect um so maybe that's a that's a good chip to move um but i don't expect much i think they're going to run it back i think they're going to hope to get that so-called dead cat bounce i mean this is the team that won 93 games and won a division the padres have a similar story they went 79 and 83 last year they made some tweaks to their roster their big trade was sean Manaya. And he has an ERA over five. They got Bob. Well, Melvin. wasn't he supposed to be traded for Andrew Vaughn? He was. He was. Or was that uh, Andrew Vaughn for Frankie Montas? Yeah. yeah either way. Either way. I think so, both of those names were floated. You so, both win that one. So they they retooled their roster a bit. They got Bob Melvin and their new coaching staff, and now they're in the playoffs. And they're in a tougher division. I mean, Cleveland's solid, but the Dodgers are in a different world. Um, compared to those guys. So I'm foolishly optimistic that 2023's fortunes can turn around here a little bit. Um, but it's it's health. It's going to come down to health. If these guys can't stay on the field, if you're not going to get 130 games out of Eloy, out of Robert, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And Eloy's your left fielder next year. I know nobody wants to see Eloy in left field. We've got to let a Brayu Walker. We've got to trade Vaughn. Eloy's got a DH. We can't have Eloy in left field. He's going to be your left fielder. And I hope that Jose Abreu is in a White Sox uniform next year because this could be his last two games as a Chicago White Sox. And that makes me hashtag sad best. Sad best. Sad Bez here. We haven't even gotten to Jose Abreu predictions. We're going to break that down on another show this upcoming offseason, and we'll get some some more insight onto that. But uh, early early predictions from, from Besnick there. I'll, I'll double down on it. I think Jose Abreu is back. Steve, you got an early prediction on that one instead of a pick-to-click. Is, is Jose Abreu back in the White Sox uniform in 2023? I'm going to say no. And I think nobody wants to hear this, but Jose Abreu has the choice here. And this is an organization that has wasted 
the nine best years of his baseball life. He's got a few good ones left. Why would you want to waste it with this organization? If I was him, I sure as fuck wouldn't. This is Sad Steve. Brought to you by <laughs> Sad Besnick. <laughs> I mean, I mean Jose, Jose Abreu deserves a chance to win a fucking World Series with a real organization. Uh, I mean, I agree. He's earned the right to explore that option as a free agent if he wants to go play for the Houston Astros and make, you know, they'll give him two years, $40 million or $35 million or whatever it is, and he'll continue to put up good numbers. And, you know, it's it's so funny how, like, you know, kind of aging stars go to these teams like the Astros and, you know, the Braves and uh, other teams like that, and they get more out of them somehow. I don't know how they do that. Um, it's almost like they're smarter. It's almost like they're smarter. It's weird. It's almost like they search for more information to give them an edge. I don't know. It sounds like sounds like crazy talk to me, but um, he's earned that right. It'll make me absolutely sick to see him in a Houston Astros fucking uniform. But he's gonna he'd hit a ton of home runs into that Mickey Mouse Stadium, and I'd be happy for him. But it would suck. But I think I still think he's back in a Sox uniform if he wants to be. If he says I want to come back, one year, sixteen million, whatever, he's playing first base at thirty fifth and Shields. And I I agree with that. I think that if he ultimately does want to be back, he will be back. You know, I just I'm trying to look at it from a different perspective and through a different lens that I don't feel like a lot of other people are considering. I mean, just think about how many times this year after the final out. And they pan into the socks and you just see the look of dejection on his face. Like, do you do you really want to go out like this? No. I mean, <laughs> knowing Dude. that guy, knowing that guy and the amount of pride that that guy has, and the fact that he this is, shows up. Besnick, this is why I muted him at some point on Twitter <laughs> is, is thoughts like this that just, you know, gets spoken into existence. It's amazing to me that I asked him not to bring any negativity into this team. And then you hear Jose Abreu in a fucking Houston Astros jersey next year. And then you're talking about him hitting home runs in the Mickey Mouse stadiums. And that. Now I've got to figure out how the fuck I'm supposed to get to sleep after hearing all of this shit. Jesus Christ. All right. Guys, can we end the Jose doing a Houston Astros jersey thing? Because I'm getting I'm getting very I, upset with this. I, I think he's gonna be back. He's gonna be back with the Sox. They're gonna run it back. Speak one more this year. into existence for me, please. They're gonna run Keep it back going. one more year. He'll be on here. at 35th and Shields playing first base. And if the White Sox don't make the playoffs in 2023, then they'll blow it all up. That's my prediction. Ooh. Steve, anything else from you? Um, you know, it's just, we talked about this before we hopped on here. I'm just, I'm, I'm very much getting in my feels knowing that, um, we only got two days left of, of White Sox baseball and I'm sad and a lot of different emotions are starting to come to the surface right now. Some of them you're not going to like Anthony. I don't have to like them. I'll still, you listen. don't. You, you you don't and and that's that's the great thing um but you know i i would like jose abreu to be back but i just i don't know 
I don't know. Steve doesn't see it in there as best as it does. I do. We'll, we'll talk about it here all offseason on Socks on Tap. Guys, excellent show. Booked down a lot. Getting near not only the end of the show, but the end of the season. As I said, as we hopped on this podcast, thank you to everybody who's tuned in, joined us live on YouTube. In the comment section, we appreciate you. Followed us on Twitter. Jumped in our live streams there. Listen to us in podcast form. We appreciate it. We'll be back at the end of the season to close it all down. And then we'll start talking some off-season stuff. From us here at Sox on Tap, we appreciate you for tuning in. Guys, final thoughts as we go round table here. I just want to I want to end this on a positive note because I don't want to carry negative vibes into the end of this season. Tomorrow's the last time I will go and make the trek up to 35th and Shields for this ball club during this year. Steve, I think you're going to be there. I hope we get to have a beer together. I'm going to go say my goodbyes. It was a rough year, but I enjoyed being at the ballpark with you guys. Just sharing favorite moments. And if we can close this down with favorite moments of the 2022 season, I would love it. I'll share mine. I'll go round table. We'll close this thing down and get out of here. Guys, we had a double header that we got to take in together at the ballpark. And uh, favorite moment of the season is just being there with you guys and seeing just the collective crowd jump up to try and save me when I tried to interview a guy because he tried to start a fire Tony LaRusso chant and to see you guys all jump up when this guy tried to give me the business over asking him who he would have brought into a ball game. That was probably my favorite moment of the 2022 season. We drank a lot of beers that day. We had a lot of fun out in lot B. We did a lot of stuff, but senior boys behind your back when some dude just pops off at you I thought that was an awesome moment, especially at the ballpark. I might have been overserved, but all I did was ask the guy, who would you have brought into this ball game? And he started to give me some attitude because he hated Tony LaRusa. And you guys were there to help me. But I'll turn to Steve. That was my favorite moment at the ballpark this year. Steven, I'd like to hear yours. Besnick, I'd like to hear yours as well. All right, I've got two. Um, the opening day tailgate, I think we – we set we hashtag set the tone. Um, we we yes, went we out did. there and we, and we brought it. Jello that shots day. that day. A lot we, of jello we, shots. There, couple two tree, couple two tree. Um, so that was that was a blast. And then obviously, um, the suite when we almost got to see Dylan Cease make history that night. Um, and I think, you know, our ability to go out and smuggle 15 to 20 beers and uh, half a handle of rum out of the suite. Thanks, Jerry. Go fuck yourself. Um, that was just great. So those two, um, those really stood out to me. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, I mean, the home opener, great game. Obviously, they they got the win. Vin, Vinny Velo made the... Uh, Home opener start. That'll be a trip. Steven and Buddy barely made it out of that game. The home opener. I forgot about that one. 
Um, so yeah, that was a good one. I got to meet you guys uh, in person for the first time. That doubleheader was a blast. Um, you know, the Tony's uh, Tony's interview attempt. Uh, I got to meet Sean for the first time, talk baseball with all of you guys in Lot B. And then it was the, the cease no-hitter in the suite and all the reasons why that was too sweet. So yeah, um, all that was great. Being a part of On Tap was great this year. Um, you know, despite the season being pretty rough, 500 year, pretty disappointing, unlikable team. <sighs> this ridiculous franchise is just part of my life and writing about them is I, I actually, I actually have fun writing about them. I actually enjoy it and talking to you guys and anyone else, any other fans out there about this team and how they do. So, yeah, you know, I think Anthony, you talked early on and, and you thanked everybody for tuning in and listening to us this year. I'm going to borrow a phrase from a hall of fame broadcaster that I know is very near and dear to your heart. Yeah. We, we hope you enjoyed the broadcast despite the outcome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's spot on Steve. That's absolutely spot on. Um, I, I, I can't say it any better than that. Um, stay with us. We'll be here all off season. We'll probably give you one more post game show as we head on into what's going to be an absolutely interesting winter for the Chicago White Sox guys. I don't know how to close this thing down any other way than this White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.